Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me today in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and oh yeah, that sometimes messy thing that we call life. This podcast is brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. All right, Book of Podcast listeners, we are back for another episode, and I'm here with photographer and entrepreneur, Michelle Ellsworth. Michelle, thank you so much for making time for the podcast today. Thanks for having me. And we have a lot to get into and and so we're going to we have I know that we have a number of questions to get through here kind of at the beginning. We're going to kind of breeze through those a little bit and get to the the meat of the conversation today because there's a lot to cover with regards to I mean on a very big picture scale leaving a mark on the world. And that seems like a really overwhelming topic, right? But we're going to dig into that what it means to ultimately take our life experience and weave that into the business or businesses that we create uh, for the sake of making an impact on the world. So we're going to get there in just a few minutes, but let's just start very briefly. Where are you based and what type of photography does your business currently offer? We are based in Salt Lake City, Utah, the home of the most gorgeous mountains on planet Earth. And uh, It is beautiful, I have to say. I, I really enjoy flying into Salt Lake City. Yeah, you should come visit one of these days. Absolutely. We actually primarily focus on families, children, and senior portraits. Okay, awesome. And the name of your business? Permission to Remember. Perfect. And I think you you mentioned to me um, the other day that you're in kind of in the process of transitioning brands, right? You ha- you've had an established photography business and you're in the process of making a change? I am, yeah. We used to be Pink Rose Photography, but uh, Permission to Remember has developed over this last year as I have uh, dug into my why and the demographic and those that I want to serve. And so we felt like it was the right step to rebrand and share our message in the name of um, our business. Yeah. And that totally makes sense. And it's intentional versus just kind of, you know, coming up with some random cute name and throwing it out there. You've actually put some thought and intention behind the rebranding process. And by the way, for those of you, for those of our listeners who are curious Whereabouts? What's? Let's just go ahead and throw the website and social media out there for this brand. Permission to remember. So you can currently find us at permission to remember dot org because we are establishing a nonprofit as well as a business okay. with with our brand, and so it will be permission to remember dot org and permission to remember dot com. Okay, perfect, perfect. And of course, we'll link to those in the show notes as well. And uh, for those of you listening in, I know I always say this, but show notes, Boca Podcast, B-O-K-E-H podcast.com. Lots and lots of information there, not only associated with this particular episode, but the at this point, hundreds of episodes that we put out there. So make sure you go take advantage of those. So talk to us a little bit about your photography business's brand position. And and actually, I may kind of preempt this this question or your answer to the question, because I know that on your, your old photography website, you actually have a mission statement there, which very much ties into the conversation we're going to get into in just a little bit. I, I, w- I want to just go ahead and throw this out there, because though it's not exactly a brand position, it's a mission statement that is really compelling. It's very powerful. And for those of you listening in, as you'll find out, very much tied to Michelle's story, her backstory, but 
It just simply says, we believe every family has a story worth telling. Each child is a childhood worth remembering, and all relationships have a love worth showcasing. And and you're probably starting, for those of you listening, and you're probably starting to kind of put the puzzle pieces together here, permission to remember, and then you hear this beautiful mission statement. Uh, seriously, Michelle, a wonderful example of a mission statement there on on that site. And um, I, this is going to lead us wonderfully kind of segue into our conversation later on, but did it take some time to come up with the wording for that mission statement? Because a lot of times, you know, photographers, they'll come up with maybe a cute tagline or a few words that they think represents their brand. They'll put that out there. But honestly, it's not always particularly compelling, and it certainly doesn't reflect a deeper why behind why they're even doing what they're doing. Yeah. So um, to be honest, I, so I've i been business for 13 years. I have had a lot of cute taglines. And this came about actually in the matter of about three seconds. Wow. I, I was doing some, some personal work through a book that I read, actually, which I recommend to everyone. Well, what is that book? Let's just go ahead and throw that question out there, too. It sounds like a pretty interesting book. Yeah, it's a story brand. Yes. And it was life-changing for my business development and for the way I perceived how I needed to speak to my clients. For a long time, I made my business all about me. And my messaging was all about me. This is my story. This is why you should like me versus speaking to my clients Mm. and speaking to what they deserved, not what I deserved as their photographer. Yes. And so as I was working through my story brand, brand script is actually free. I'm just going to give them a plug because they're so awesome. And um, they have an entire online worksheet that you can go through to help discover your, your brand and your phrasing and your, your wording to speak to your client And I was just kind of brainstorming. I was just, you know, writing as fast as I could, whatever came up to my, my head. And these words just kind of tumbled out of my, my fingertips. And I was like, wow, well, that's exactly what I wanted to do. So. Well, there there are different directions I can go here. First of all, you mentioned StoryBrand, and it is an extremely powerful book. And the cool thing, and I know that we've talked about it a decent amount here on the podcast, but it certainly bears uh, re-mentioning, if you will. StoryBrand is not only one of the most important marketing books out there right now, I think, but it's also extremely actionable and practical. A lot of times you read a self-help book or a business book and, and it just there's a lot of fluff. This is an extremely easy read and it's extremely actionable and it is just wonderfully impactful as well. And so I can't recommend it enough. I'm totally uh, on the same page with you here, Michelle. And not only that, we'll link to what you were talking about a second ago, this resource that they've created. And it's actually, I think the website, I'm pulling it up right now. Yeah, it's mystorybrand.com. So we'll link to both the the book and then my story brand in the show notes for those of you listening in at bookapodcast.com. Make sure you actually read the book or listen to the book and then go take advantage of this tool to, to think about how you're ultimately reaching out to your potential client. And the thing that you pointed out that I think is particularly poignant, Michelle, is that your messaging, you went from a place of kind of talking about yourself and you know what feeds your ego and, and what matters to you and switched, kind of turned that on its head and said, you know what, I want to talk to my potential client and their needs and their desires. And this resonates with me not only because I know that, that it's easy for me to kind of think about myself 
um, and that ultimately, but but ultimately, that what is most fulfilling is to serve somebody else, to take care of somebody else in one form or another. And that if I'm involved in a business that's doing that, that's focused on that, the fulfillment level that comes from that is just, it's a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing. And it's certainly a sustainable thing. And so I love that your mission statement does just that. It is very clear to your potential client what it is, why you're doing what you're doing. And uh, that in and of itself is going to create some curiosity. You know, when we talk about brand position, brand position very simply is, is that thing that pops into someone's mind when they think about your brand. That, that causes your brand to stand out distinctly from other photographers in that market. And that's a conversation in and of itself. But I, I had to highlight this mission statement because it's a beautiful example. And again, kudos to you for focusing on others versus your ego as a photographer, as an artist. And I think that's a wonderful example for our listeners uh, and for myself as well. From all that you've learned as a business owner so far, what would be the biggest piece of advice that you'd be quickest to share with a fellow photographer? Oh, this is one I'm really passionate about. And it's that when you don't know how to do something rather than being discouraged, adopt, and I don't know how to do it yet mentality, hmm. instead of saying, I don't know how to do it, just say yet at the end, I don't know how to do it yet. I like it. Realizing that the fastest way to progress is to find somebody who is already doing what you want to do and then do what they're doing so that you can learn and also to just adopt a humility mindset also, because it's really, I mean, I'm speaking from experience. I've been in business for 13 years and I was stagnant for 12 and it's only been in the last year that I have sought out mentorship and I have sought out somebody that's doing something with their business that I want to do with mine and figuring out what they're doing by, you know, investing in, you know, learning. Yeah. And it has been the fast track. And I can't believe that I've been waiting in the muck for 12 years trying to do this on my own. When in one year I have accelerated for, you know, I have quadrupled my income in one year because of (laughs) making some silly little shifts in my business that have made a huge difference. So the money that I've spent in mentorship has been the fastest return on my investment so much faster than any dollar spent marketing is learning. Well, and, and, and open-mindedness and going back to your original point, the open-mindedness to the fact that there is room to grow. There's opportunity to grow. And just because you can't quite grasp something right now or quite understand something right now, or for that matter, be able to do something right now as good as you want to do it is no in no way a reason to give up, right? I, I understand, I mean, there's an argument and, and a lot of conversation for that matter to be had around the idea of staying in your lane, but there's also an incredible adventure and learning and growing and, and doing something, even if you know how to do it okay, to do it more effectively. And so keeping that open mind, I can't do it yet, uh, but I'm gonna work it out, I'm gonna make it happen. I love that. I, I think it makes life more interesting and it certainly makes us, more capable business owners to keep that open mind and continue to make an effort to grow in one form or another. So thanks for sharing that. Also wonderfully inspirational. Talk to us about time. I I know that that you have family and time, I mean, more than than ever is probably the one of the most significant components of your life, maximizing that time, whether it's certainly as a business owner, but also connecting with the important people in your life. Is there something that you can do or that you do on an ongoing basis, daily, weekly, or otherwise, that enables you to create the space, the time for 
those people that are important to you um, and get out from behind the computer. Yeah, absolutely. I have, I have five children. And so life is busy, you know, between taxi driving and laundry and especially, I don't know, just as a mom feeling like, you know, one robs from another when I'm working, I feel like I should be mommying. And when I'm mommying, I feel like I should be working. And I struggled with that for a really long time with the, with the crosshairs, you know, just of not being able to separate work and play with my family. And I realized that it was really wrecking both, both aspects of my life. It was wrecking my productivity when I was working and it was wrecking my being, my ability to be with my family when I was with them. And so I really realized that the best present that you can give to yourself and to your family is to always be present in whatever it is that you're doing. So basically when I'm working, I am working and I've had to draw really strong boundaries because when you're an entrepreneur, when you work for yourself, it's really easy for people to steal that time because they think you're just at home, like watching movies and twiddling your thumbs while you're editing. (laughs) And, you know, so it's really easy for people to say, Hey, can you run this errand? Or can you come and do this thing? Or can you come visit me? You know, your mom calls, can you come visit me? And the people pleaser in me used to say like, yes to everything. And I realized that I just needed to create boundaries and time blocking so that at 11 o'clock in the afternoon or in the morning, I knew where I was going to be and what I needed to do. And if it was, you know, uh, editing during that time and my mom calls and she says, I need you to come up here, I'll say, well, can you wait until two when that's my free hour? Right. And so that time blocking system has really opened up my ability to stay present with my children because I have time blocked now so that as you know, my work is over at four Oh five, when they get home from school, I am now fully on mom duty. And when I am now mom duty, I don't even think about work. I don't touch my computer. I don't go into my room. I don't, I don't even think about it. And it has really freed my mentality up to know exactly what I need to be doing during the day so that when people try to steal that time, I can easily say, you know what, I'm busy. I've got this, you know, I've got this meeting going on and having that time accounted for strategically and scheduling has really uh, freed my ability to stay present with my family. That's really good. And I mean, the proactivity innate to that, that approach, that mentality, um, the self-awareness of, Hey, you know what, functioning without this kind of structure here, are the, here's what happens as a result. You know, I, I end up stressed out. I'm not present. Uh, and I have people kind of trying to take advantage of my time. Instead, I, I'm proactive in that I'm saying this is how I'm going to spend this chunk of time, and this next chunk of time, this is how I'm going to spend it. Or, and and you know, this day, this is how I spend it. And I do this thing and these things, or maybe there's a list of things. But blocking off those chunks of time, whether it's 15 minutes or you know a, a full day, and being really, really specific and really intentional it makes a massive difference for ourselves. And then, you know, the, the cool thing too is I, I don't know about you, Michelle, but when you talk about expectations, managing expectations of others, when it comes to your time, the way that you run your business, I personally share my, my calendar with my kids. And so they can see what I'm doing throughout the day. They know that right now I have a podcast interview. So if they try to reach out to me and I don't respond right away, they can take a quick glance at that calendar. They know what's going on. Um, do you 
have you shared any element of your kind of daily or weekly schedule with your family so that they're aware and know how to respect that time so that you can get the things done that you need to and then be present with them later? No, but as you were saying that I had a light bulb and an aha moment of that's what I need to do because, because it's really easy to feel guilty for not responding to your children because they need you, but realizing that we are working and we are doing that because they need us. Right. And so, you know, it's not shortchanging them because we don't respond immediately. I love that, that principle that immediately will be adopted in my, in my family. (laughs) Because honestly, when my husband doesn't share his calendar with me, he's also an entrepreneur. It's really easy for me to like go in and talk to him about X, Y, and Z. And he has to pull away and it's versus when he like shows me his schedule, I say, Oh, he's busy. So it's easier for me to respect him. And it would be the same for children to respect their parents time. And Well, and and, yeah, and it creates, I mean, ultimately that awareness, it it enables respect, it enables a sense of freedom, as you were alluding to as well. And it's pretty easy to do. I I know I'm a huge Apple fan. I'm I'm working off of an Apple laptop here. I've got my iPhone next to me as well. And so I'm a huge Apple fan. I'm not as big a fan of their email and calendar system. And so I use Google Calendar and Gmail and largely because it just, it works so well, so consistently. And of course, it's very easy to share with others. So not only do I share my calendar with my kids, I'm, I'm a single dad, so I've, I've got two kids at home, but uh, I'm in a serious relationship with a wonderful girl who also has two kids and she and I share calendars as well. So we've got this, this am- amalgamation, if you will, of daily schedules that can look a little bit insane when you first glance at the calendar because everybody's calendars are shared. Um, It's a little bit intense, but it at least creates a little bit of awareness of what the other person might be going through or dealing with. And uh, ultimately, Michelle, as you said, it can also give a sense of freedom. If you're concerned about somebody else feeling like you're not giving them the time of day that, that they deserve, they at least know that you're putting the work in and then ultimately, you can schedule the time together as a family. You can schedule date nights. Um, you can schedule time with friends. I have, as a repeating event in my own calendar, a weekly brunch with photographers. And when you make that commitment to that, that's also, I think, a really great thing. I mean, my calendar is essentially absolute. If, if it goes in the calendar, you know, 99.9% of the time, that thing is going to happen. It's in a commitment of sorts, too. So I, I think this idea of time blocking is great. And for those of you listening in, if you're not leveraging these sharing tools, take advantage of them, especially if you have close friends or family. The the relationships there will probably benefit from that type of sharing. And of course, it doesn't have to cost you anything either. Just click that share button and you're good to go. Talk to us about the most unusual item in your your camera bag, Michelle. What What comes to mind? And of course, this doesn't have to be a camera or a lens. Is there something that enables you to be a, a better photographer that you want to share with our listeners? Yeah, I actually came up with two. One of them is in my camera bag. The other one is in my head. So the my favorite thing in my camera bag is my JBL portable speaker. And before the session, I ask my clients, you know, what their children's favorite songs are. If they have any family songs, then I'll go up and make a Spotify list. And at their session, we have a lot of fun. My sessions are very much centered and geared around fun and reality. And so it's just a fun way to bring in their personality. And I just feel like people really resonate with music and they also relax with music. And so it turns it from like a stiff portrait 
you know, experience to, we're just out here playing as a family. We're out here to experience. We're out here to loosen up and to just be together. And music has really done that, you know, set that atmosphere at my sessions. And so I really love, I really love that. And so have my clients. I think it's great. It really does. It, it can set the tone. And, and especially in those situations, honestly, it takes me back to a, a maternity session. And I didn't shoot a lot of maternity sessions as a photographer. I was mostly weddings for over 10 years. But I had a wedding client who came back to me and said that they wanted a maternity session. And not only did they want a maternity session, but they wanted a nude maternity session, which is great. But I'd never, I'd never done this before. It was a kind of a new, new thing for me. And so I'm walking into a situation with a client who's absolutely wonderful, no reason to feel uncomfortable around them. But as you can imagine, a little bit of a unique situation, not a lot of clothing involved. And I'll tell you one of the things that helped, I mean, I, I tend to go in, in those scenarios and I've been in more than one of them now uh, over the years, but in those scenarios, I tend to kind of go into a mode, you know, work mode, and I'm able to, to focus and, and kind of get things done. But I will say that one thing that made it all even that much more, or that much easier and more enjoyable was that they had music playing in the background. And it really kind of, it took the edge off and it eased things and it made it fun and kind of upbeat. And I, I may have told this story on the podcast before. It, it, we, we, were, we ended up not only just in a really great place, not only do we create beautiful images, but ultimately it was, it was a pretty laid back, pretty chill session and had a good time together, but made it even more hilarious when at one point, not only did we have, of course, music playing in the background, but I was photographing this lovely woman in front of a, a black backdrop. We were using window light as light, uh, but it happened to be in the kitchen. I think it was one of the places where we could get the best natural light in, in the house. And so I was photographing her in the kitchen. Her husband is underneath, and she wanted this this cheesecloth kind of blowing back against her body. And so her husband gets underneath the counter in the kitchen island there with a gas leaf blower and <laughs> turns that thing on and is pumping air at his wife to get this, this cheesecloth kind of blowing back against her body. And the picture turned out beautifully. But talk about doing something to, to set the, the tone for the session and to ultimately make it a lot of fun. Not only did the music help with that, but if you ever want to really up the ante, turn on a gas leaf blower and point it at your client. <laughs> totally. <laughs> no, that's really great, though. The JBL speakers are small, so they're very easy to just toss in a bag. Is the battery life pretty great, too? Do you ever have issues with it running out when you're out of shoot? Oh, no. I mean, I'm, I'm doing family sessions, so we spend an hour together max. Okay. So you know, and the battery life is forever. Not an issue at all. That's cool. Okay. But you, you said the second thing was in your head. What is that thing? Yeah. So, you know, I, I really liked what you said. You said, we're not just creating images and I've actually adopted the mindset or I've approached my sessions of, we're not just creating images, we're creating feelings. And so in my head, I have a stash of questions that I ask my clients mm. So that they can start speaking to each other and connecting my favorite, my favorite images to, to capture are people who are having an authentic connective exchange. And so, you know, I find that a lot of people don't just do this naturally. I'm a really connective person by nature. Yeah. And I realize like not everybody is. And yet we all, we all, I think, yearn for that connection but some of us just don't know how to create it or mm. do it for ourselves or especially do it in front of the camera in front of other people right 
Right. Yeah. And, you know, I really learned this lesson with photography that I did these portraits for a family and they were so gorgeous. They were beautiful. They were fun. They were silly. And at ordering time, my client says, I just can't put any of these on the wall. And I said, why? And she said, because we were in a fight oh. and all I can think of is how angry I was with him. Oh no. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, that's so sad. And she never did anything with the images. And I realized in that moment that I can give to somebody the opposite. And I realized the power of emotions while we photograph them, our yeah. clients, yeah. because it can ruin their image or it can, it can elevate it. And so I realized I'm going to take this principle of psychology mm. and apply it, but in the positive. And if I can help my clients create this really beautiful, authentic, connective feeling, when they look at their image, they're not just seeing the beautiful final image. They're feeling what they felt in those moments. And so it becomes so much more than an image on your wall. It becomes the story of of your love and your relationships with those that are closest to you. And when you look at those images, you feel it and you don't just see it. Wow. Okay. So are you, are there certain, you said questions that you're asking them and is that creating conversation between them that then encourages that, that outward expression of emotion or what does that look like? Yeah. So I'll, I'll ask things like, I mean, these are some real tearjerkers, but, you know, I'll say if this was the last thing that you could tell your wife, hmm. what would you tell her? Yeah. And, you know, it's, they get teary eyed and they get these expressions in their eyes hmm. of just complete adoration and love. You can't tell a man, look at your wife adoringly and get the same experience <laughs> as you can. If you say, tell yeah. your wife, like, what would your last words be to your wife? you get a completely different outcome by, you know, the simple request of look at your wife adoringly and tell your wife the last words that you would want to speak to her. It's true. Wow. But you know what? I was thinking you also have to be comfortable with yourself in order to ask them to do that too. Cause that's a pretty serious question or request to say to somebody, Hey, um, I've got this point this camera pointed at you right now, and I want you to tell your wife this extremely intimate thing, which is the last words that you would say to her before you never saw her again. Like that's they have to feel comfortable with you. You have to already have set the right tone. That's a that's pretty hardcore. That's a really beautiful idea. So I I ask them for permission and I I kind of prep them and that's kind of the last. Cool. That's the most that's like one of the most extreme examples. We definitely work up to that. Okay. So some of the first questions that we ask are things like we play into the psychology of men and women. Every man wants to feel respected and every man wants to feel appreciated. It's just a known thing that gender is <laughs> like men want to feel appreciated. And women want to feel sexy and beautiful. And so, you know, we'll ask them, you know, we'll say, Megan, why don't you tell your husband the thing you appreciate about him most? Hmm. And that's a very non-threatening thing to, you know, talk about. Yeah, yeah. And then I'll usually make a joke and I'll say, now tell her the sexiest thing about her. But I don't want to hear. Just just keep it between you two. You know, <laughs> It gets them whispering and it gets them giggling yes. and it gets them like flirting. And it's, you know, so we kind of step it up as far like as it. vulnerability. Yeah. And there's definitely people who don't respond as 
comfortably and you have to gauge, you know, kind of the tiers of questions that you can ask them so that you're not, you know, putting people out of their comfort zone. Yeah, no, that's, and that's a great way to put it too. I mean, a little bit of awareness about what your client's comfortable with, but a lot of it's on us too, to set the tone, you know, going into a conversation. I mean, this is something that, that I've realized even more in the last few months or so as a conversationalist, not just as a podcast host and, and doing a lot of them recently. I think I'm up to, I think, I think today's is something like 281 or something like that. There's, there's just, there are a lot of conversations. And, and so naturally it, it creates opportunity for, for me to kind of shine the light back on myself and think about how I set the tone and the weight, not, not just the words that I say and the questions that I ask, but even the tone in my voice and it's not about putting on a show. This is, I've said this to a number of guests, particularly as of late. I'm like, we're, we're not, we're not trying, I'm not trying to set this tone where my voice is going to be one thing while we're recording and then another thing off air. Um, I want it to be genuine, certainly. But whether I'm having a conversation with one of our guests on the podcast or I'm talking to my kids or I'm talking to my girlfriend or whoever it is, I can, I can help them feel a particular way if I actually think about setting the right tone. Um, that requires empathy. It requires awareness, both of of their feelings and their perspective on the world and what might be going on in their life right now. It, it, it's it's uh, enabled by aware self awareness as well. Um, there are multiple elements that make that up. But I I love this um, not only the tool set that you're just describing to us, but also the significance that you're sharing about creating the right tone, setting the stage for a session that is comfortable for the client where they can open up and be emotive and be okay with that. I think this is really great. Honestly, we could probably do a whole episode on that. We might have to come back and do another one at some point if you're open to it, because that that's really fascinating to me. But we've got a big topic to jump into. And we talk about this notion of why, I think you even used the word already, knowing our why, why we do what we do. There's a Simon Sinek book called Start With Why. There's a TED Talk that he did as well around the same idea. And we this has become a popular point of conversation. It's one thing, though, to talk about why or why, uh, because it's, a, you know, it's the thing to do or it sounds romantic or it looks great on our website. It's another thing to actually live it, to do it. And you have done both, honestly. I mean, from my perspective, not only have you created a very powerful why that drives why you do what you do, but then you're tying that into this brand, Permission to Remember, but you have a personal story that drives it. And so I'd love, if you don't mind, sharing that story with our listeners so they understand where this comes from and the significance of tying personal experience to then kind of weaving our why into our brand to ultimately make an impact on the world. Yeah. And everything that I do really ties into my why. What we were just talking about with the connectiveness with my, with my clients, it ties into my why. Every reason I, the way I shoot, everything ties into my why as far as why I photograph people the specific way I do, why I put certain products in their, in their homes and why I serve the people that I serve. And it really, it really goes back. So this is an emotional topic and I don't, I don't usually like to um, just surprise people. And I like to tell, you know, tell listeners that you're about to hear something that's probably going to be really sad for you. And it was really sad for us, but I share it because I am passionate about, about what I do and why I do it. So 
So just be prepared that it might bring a tear or two to your eye and it might bring a tear or two to my eye. So just rewind, I've been in business since 2006. I had gone to college for photography and had been wanting to be a photographer since I was six. Uh, I asked for my first camera when I was six. My mom didn't give it to me. And I took the money my grandma gave me and went and bought my own. And I can just remember from the time I was very little wanting to create beautiful images. And I had two babies that were two and under, 22 months and under. They were 15 months apart. And I am a God girl. I love God. And whether it's God or the universe for you, you know, I, I had a prompting and I had this prompting that I needed to start my photography business. And I kind of just raised my eyebrows and said, are you crazy? Like I have to be crazy. I have two babies under two. I am busy. And I just kept getting this feeling. You need to start. This is now this is the time. So I was up until four o'clock in the morning buying my first digital camera and getting my website squared away. And I was like, okay, well, I guess, guess now this is the time. And 12 hours later, my oldest son was in an accident. And that accident, <laughs> excuse me, that accident ended up taking his life. Hmm. <clears throat> sorry. And um, I'm not sorry, actually, because I'm talking about my son. So um, after he passed away, it became very evident to me that I needed to give to others what I wish I could give to myself, mm. which was so much more than just a portrait, Yeah, but was to tell the stories. And so I really built my style on, if I could go back one more day, what would I want to remember? Mm. Would I want just a picture of him smiling at the camera? I have those, but I want to capture the silly and the sad and the funny and the mad and the, love and the connection and the relationships. And I want to tell the story and I want to, that's what, that's what became invaluable to me when I lost the opportunity. And I realized that not everybody has that perspective that these opportunities are lost as every day goes by. And I tell people, you know, thank heavens that heaven only takes a few children, but time will take them all. And that every single day that goes by, that time is being lost. And so take advantage of that. I had to learn in a really blunt way that that opportunity is lost Mm. in a snap. Most people lose the opportunity moment by moment, month after month, year after year. And so anyhow... Well, I have to say first, Michelle, I mean, thanks for being willing and, and as transparent as you've been to share that story. And I know... It's an emotional one to share. Um, but at the same time, I, I have so much respect, again, for the way that you have tied what was so impactful to you into what you're doing, and it's that much more meaningful. And you know, going back to that mission statement on your site, and, and by the way, for those of you listening, and just so there's not confusion, permission to remember.org, we're going to link to this new site in the show notes. Um, The mission statement that I was pointing out earlier is on the old brand site, um, but I think it's still worth pointing out at pinkrosephotography.com. But that statement that I read earlier, we believe every family has a story worth telling. Each child has a childhood worth remembering and all relationships have a love worth showcasing. I mean, you so beautifully and succinctly summed up the significance of what you do. And of course, now our listeners know where that comes from, but I think it's just an absolutely beautiful, beautiful thing 
that what you do now has such meaning. You're not just taking a picture. You're not just trying to be the cool person on Instagram. You're not just, you know, being an, an artist. And there's nothing wrong with any of those things innately, but you're doing something now that has so much more meaning. And, and I, I have so much respect for that. So thank you for setting a wonderful example. Thank you for sharing your story. And I, I really, I want to let this kind of act as a segue into my next question. And it, cause it very much ties in you, you had this experience, uh, but then if we fast forward just a little bit, you went to a PPA convention and you heard a quote that was life altering. What was that quote? Uh, I was sitting in the audience and Ryan Estes, the keynote speaker, he is now a dear friend of mine after I, after I thanked him for his message, he spoke and he, he said to us, talent is not enough in your industry to set you apart. To become memorable, you must do something remarkable. Hmm. And I sat there and in that moment, I knew that that sentence would change everything Hmm. (laughs) and it has. And as I was sitting there and I was, you know, applying it to my life, my story, I was thinking, and I was was thinking, you know, I have a remarkable story. Who can say that their child died 12 hours after they started their business? And I'm like, but that's not going to get anybody to hire me. That's not, (laughs) that's just a sad story, honestly. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I said, I have a remarkable, I have a remarkable story, Hmm. but how do I make this remarkable for my clients and not just about me? How do I I turn this around? I love that. And get from a remarkable story and turn it into a remarkable action. Hmm. And, you know, for many years, the only thing that got me out of bed was my photo sessions as I was dealing with the grief and the depression of my son's passing. And I really lived on the joy of others for many years. And I realized that photography had healed me. And so I started thinking about how I could heal others with photography. And uh, that weekend changed my whole business. I flip-flopped my entire business overnight, went from shoot and burn to an in-person sales, had my entire price list squared away in three days, had, you know, just, uh, and then an entirely different way of doing business, which was that for every family who hired us, we would gift a family photo session to a family who'd lost a child called the good grief, the good grief gift. Wow. Where realizing that uh, after a child passes away, there is a massive dragon. Family portraits are not a fun experience for family. And so I realized I needed to find a way to take the sting out of family portraits after a child had passed away. And I knew I could do that because of my experience that there would be an immediate level of trust with someone because they knew I knew and understood. Right. And so they would trust me, but we, um, and this is actually where the name of my new, my brand has come in permission to remember is because I was, you know, thinking about how I could make these good grief portrait sessions, the most impactful gift that I could give to them. Mm. And I just got this prompting again, just give them permission to remember. That's all anybody who's ever lost a child needs is the permission to remember their child, you know, and not getting too far away from photography, but just mentioning that grief, you know, when you've lost a child, society eventually tells you like, we're uncomfortable. We don't really want to hear about your child anymore. And it makes us uncomfortable. So please stop talking about it. 
And so we give our, our families and, and yet when you have lost a child, the only thing you want to do is to be able to speak of them and speak their name and to not forget them, to remember them always. And so uh, that's where permission to remember comes is we show up and we just give them permission to remember. And we ask them and we talk to them about their child and what made them happy and frustrated and silly and, and it's been a beautiful experience. So that's the giving side of our business. And I really believe that giving is good for business. Oh my goodness. Well, a hundred percent. I, you know, there's, and I know I've mentioned this, I think even on recent episodes, if, if I didn't have the opportunity to do something in business that was actually making an impact on people's lives at a deeper level, uh, it would just, it, it wouldn't, it, it would lose meaning and significance in my life. It would just feel like a drab. I know that Photographer's Edit is is truly making an impact on families' lives because they have more time to spend together. And because of my personal experience, and I won't go into the story right now, but because of my personal experience, uh, I know the significance of that time with the important people in your life. And if, if my company is enabling that for friends, for family, for significant others, um, you know, kids or otherwise, then, then that is extremely fulfilling to me. If the podcast is in some way making a difference, making an impact on someone's personal life because of the life principles we talk about or somebody's business because of the business principles we talk, we talk about and, and it's doing something for, for the photographer – then I'm, then I'm happy. And so I, and, and those, both of those kind of seem to pale in comparison to the significance of, of your mission, Michelle. But I think this again is a beautiful example of taking your personal experience and first of all, not getting stuck there. There's nothing wrong with, as you pointed out, acknowledging the significance of that experience and, and the grief innate to that and keeping that memory present even. But you're not you're not allowing that to keep you then from turning and figuring out how you can leverage that experience for the sake of somebody else or for other people and there's there's a selflessness to that that is beautiful and i know i keep saying this throughout our conversation but i just i have so much respect for that and i not only that it resonates with me because i'm seeing personally what it feels like to do something that goes beyond me that's bigger than myself and I think that we all need to tap into that in some form or another. And so actually, that's a great segue to my next question, which is, let's make this tangible. How can we make this tangible for our listeners? You've shared your story. You've shared the brands that you've created as a result of your experiences uh, in an effort to serve others. How can our listeners go about this process? Will you share some tangible steps that you took just on a very practical level to go from this, this realization that you had, that you can take this story and you can make it something um, to actually creating an organization and a business. Yeah, absolutely. But before we do that, I am just gonna, I'm just gonna say, don't downplay your mission because you're. I'm actually really thrilled to be talking to you because you, your mission has affected my my life and my my ability to be with my children. I have been using your services through uh, Photographer's Edit, and it has completely changed. It's been a game changer. So. Do not downplay what you have done there because it has definitely in my own home has affected my ability to have more time available with my children, which is a beautiful gift that you've given to us. So. Oh, that's very kind of that. And honestly, that means a lot, but, um, I, it, well, I, I'll just leave it at that. That's, that's extremely humbling. And, and I, I truly appreciate you bringing that up, but, but do share with our listeners because I want to make sure that 
you know, that they walk away with something that maybe they can go do, even if it's on a, on a smaller level initially. Um, I realize that we all feel like we're kind of strapped for time in one form or another. And the idea of starting maybe an additional nonprofit or an additional business organization might seem overwhelming, but even if there are small ways that our listeners can, can move forward and, and get started with something, uh, I'd, I'd love for them to have the tools to do that. So what are some steps that you took to make, to go from realization to, to organization or to business? Yeah. Well, uh, I'm kind of a wordsmith. I really like to play with words. And my first, my first step is to find your remarkability factor. What makes you remarkable? The reason why this is so important is because as soon as you find your remarkability factor, you have basically eradicated all competition because nobody else is going to have that same factor because they're not you. And so as soon as you realize what makes you remarkable, you are no longer competing with the other thousands of photographers in the sea. You're only competing with yourself because it's your own mission and your own reason why. But wordsmithing the remarkability, uh, the word remarkability, I really redefined it into my own into my own head, which was, what is your ability to leave your mark on the earth over and over and over again? And you know, what is it that you do? in your life or your business that you can really leave a mark that at your funeral, people are going to say he or she made a difference in my life through these things. And then you get creative. The second step is to just get creative. You know, we all, we all claim to be creatives because we're photographers, but sometimes we forget that our creativity doesn't need to stop with Photoshop and Lightroom. Our creativity can go into all areas of our business, our, our, why our brand, our marketing, our mission. And so get creative with, with that remarkability factor and how can you use it to leverage your marketing and your branding and those who you serve, right? I know that sometimes I get stuck and I, I used to get stuck thinking that, you know, photography would be enough with my creativity. And then I realized one day I'm creative. I can create my whole business, however I want it. And I used to hate sales. And then when I turned it into a creation, I was like, Oh, this isn't so bad marketing. I used to dread marketing, dread it. And then I'm like, Oh, wow, this is just a different way to create. Hmm. And so get creative outside of Lightroom. <laughs> you know, that's really great. And and I want to let you keep going because I know you have more steps to share, but it, this ties into the first point which you made regarding remarkability. How can I leave a mark? And I want to go back to the, the the story that you told, you know, and and tie that into the comment that you just made about Lightroom. Because here's the thing, photographers talk about having a quote distinct style all the time. And I understand the conversation. I run an editing company, so I understand the significance of that and ultimately what they mean by that. But the the thing is that it's there are thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of photographers out there and half of them have the same same lightroom presets and the other half or probably most of them actually all together are looking at other photographers work and in some form or fashion emulating that work and this is just one small example but my point ultimately is that to to make yourself distinct we talk about brand position all the time to have a distinct brand position you've got to go beyond something that is so easy for somebody else to to emulate to copy and a really great place to start as michelle has so wonderfully demonstrated is your own story your own story drives a mission a why that goes way deeper and ultimately goes beyond yourself really 
Um, and, and it goes way deeper than, than Lightroom or an editing style. And then that mission ultimately can drive the business model that you can cre- that you create, and you really truly can get creative. You can look at it as being creative. You can look at it as sol- problem solving. But there is a way to leverage your story in one form or another, um, and ultimately use that as a platform to be able to serve others. So I I had to jump in and, and comment on that. I really appreciate you. You started with remarkability, the significance of remarkability. How can I leave a mark? Number one, number two, get creative, and there are all kinds of ways to go about getting creative and solving a, the problem at hand. What's what's another step? Um, and I act, and I want to also throw this into there too. Sure. I know that I have a very extreme story, and so listeners might it might be easy for you to say or to think like, "Well, I don't have that kind of story." And the reality is, like, you really don't need that kind of story. Right. You just need to know what you're passionate about. Not you love the word passionate. I know. <laughs> but what, what your purpose is, maybe purpose is better than passion because purpose doesn't ever leave you passion. Yes. And you know what? And that's, I'm so glad you said that because I think you and I had that conversation the other day and that distinction that you made was a really poignant one. We use the word passion way too much these days. And it's, I mean, it's a, it's appropriate in certain contexts, but I like that. I like that distinction you just made, Michelle. Purpose is greater than passion because passion is a feeling, and feelings don't. Ninety nine percent of the time, they don't last. They're not consistent all the time. Purpose is way bigger than that. Purpose goes beyond yourself. It goes beyond your own feelings, and so that's a massive difference. Thank you for making that distinction, and please continue. As it was coming out of my mouth, I was like, Nathan, hates this word. <laughs> no, but you know, really, just finding what your purpose is in life and. And what really makes you feel like you are leaving your mark and you don't have to have some wild and crazy life altering, changing experience yeah. to do that. If you're passionate or if you're purposeful <laughs> about the military or about giving back to single parents or dementia or any number of things that you are personally tied to, you can find a way to interweave that into your into your life and into your business. And it always makes waking up in the morning feel like Christmas because it's like, what new thing do I get to do today with my purpose? And it's so exciting. That's really, really great. (laughs) So getting back to this list, um, we've already touched on this, but become humble and, uh, and willing to learn. I can't, I cannot accurately describe how big of a difference that this made in my life Hmm. for 12 years. I thought I just could do it on my own and that I was super awesome. And then I realized there were people that were way more awesome and that they were way (laughs) further along on the path. And I was like, Oh, and as soon as I adopt this humility and this ability to learn from maybe somebody that was further down the path, my path accelerated so quickly. Hmm. And along with that learning is, you know, I've, I've set a, a personal goal to read a book a week and realizing that there is so many people that have done what we want to do and we can either choose to muck through it on our own and figure out in a hundred years, what would take us eight hours to read in a book, you know? Yeah. And you know what I was thinking as you were saying that, cause I, I have a massive list of books that I want to read. I'm, I'm going through one in particular right now, actually called positioning, but there, if, if we just, if we stopped, you know, watching Netflix or YouTube or scrolling social media endlessly, we would pretty easily have the time to read a book in a week. It wouldn't be, if, especially these days, I love combining the audio with the, the, the visual 
um, the whisper sync technology that Amazon has built in where you can, you can listen to the audiobook in the car and then you can go back to actually reading it, um, at home or wherever it is that you can stop and actually look at the screen, the Kindle or your phone or otherwise. But that's a, that's a great example that you've also set for us there, Michelle. That's cool. Yeah. The fourth step is as simple as it sounds is to take action. We get paralyzed and we become stagnant. And I have found that the minute I become stagnant or the minute I become comfortable is the minute I realize I need to do something yeah. different. Yeah. I need to take action. And this is actually touched on in a book that I read called The Seven Decisions by Andy Andrews. Okay. And another really fantastic book, but it was actually one of my, my first self-help books that I read. And I was like, I need to read more of these. Yeah, we'll so, link to that in the show notes as well. Thank you. Yeah, but you know, one of them is to just take action. And we sometimes get paralyzed in not knowing where to go, what to do, and how to get where we want to go. And the real reality is, is if we just take one small action and just nudge that like momentum ball, then, you know, if it doesn't keep going, well, you know, just to take a different action. And if it does go, you just push a little harder and push a little harder. And before you know it, that momentum ball is rolling faster down the hill than you can keep up with. And isn't that what we all want is to have more business than what we can keep up with that we can say no so that we can choose who we want to work with. But the real step is to just be willing to take that step. Yes. Whether you know what you're doing or not, if you don't know what you're doing and you take a step and it doesn't work, well, then you're just like, well, that didn't work. Next step. Like, let's try something new. That's good. There's something to be said uh, for taking the leap, not necessarily having figured out all the details, but moving, even if it's a small step. And and I like that. I'm a huge fan of that idea. And And not just taking a step, but then being consistent in it too, right? It's one thing to take a, a step and then stop because um, you're like, oh, uh, that was a lot. And and then not actually follow through on it, but actually following through on that consistently, but taking a step, whether it's a small step or a big step, take that step. That's a great piece of advice. Yeah. And another thing that I really found a big, uh, that has helped me a lot was to just get involved. I've been a photographer for 13 years and the first WPPI or conference PPA that I went to was actually four or five, five years ago. Um, so I had been in business for nine years. And so being involved and just immersing yourself into conferences and into opportunities to learn, I'm just such an advocate of learning because if you're not learning, you're not growing. Mm. And so just to get involved and to put yourself in a position where you are surrounded by photographers I don't know about the listeners, but I know that I absolutely, and this is a segue into my, into my sixth and final step, which was to have a mindset shift. I was stuck with a feeling of competition and comparison. Mm. And I know a lot of photographers do that. There's a lot of people who are just like, Oh, another photographer is just my competition. Oh, their work's so much better. I could never charge what they charge or my my work is way better than theirs and they're making more money or they've got more clients. Why, you know, there's so much comparison and there's so much competition. And I realized that if I shift my mindset from having competition to camaraderie and comparison to collaboration and realizing that the other photographers out there, they're our friends. They're like coworkers basically. And the more relationships you can build them with them, the better your business is going to be, the better you can make their business. And the more you can step out of these very limiting beliefs as far as, you know, 
competition and comparison is absolutely the, the killer of creativity. And so you step out of that into camaraderie and collaboration. And that is the segue into, into creation. That's wonderful. Yeah. And I like all the C's there too. Competition yeah. and, and move beyond the competition into, into camaraderie. That's yeah. great. And community. Yeah. There's, there's little better in our industry. I feel like than, than the benefit that comes from connection and community It's just, it makes it really truly makes all the difference in the world. And especially when you get rid of that comparison mentality. Um, and, and here's the cool thing. I mean, you, I think you pointed this out earlier, Michelle, if you actually have a, a unique, uh, I'll just go with the, the phrase brand position for the time being, but, but a, a hill to stand on the thing that makes you distinct. If you have a story that drives your why, that drives your business model that is unique, that's truly a reflection of you. I mean, photographers talk a lot about the significance of them being themselves in their business. If you're going to do that, if you're going to play that game, then play it all the way and, and let your story drive what you do. And comparison is really not going to even be a, a consideration to borrow another C word because you're playing, you're playing your own game. You don't, you're not even in competition with somebody else because you're doing something that is actually unique. Um, and so there's little need for, at that point for, for comparison. Anyway, you have a very specific, specific mission that is driven by a specific why a unique why, and that's what your focus is. It doesn't really matter what other people are doing at that point. Yep, absolutely. Wow. Well, I'm, I'm, I've got a wonderful list here for those of you listening. And I'm just going to sum it up here before we finish up remarkability, these six steps, um, or more specifically, understanding what it is that you can do. So figure out how you can leave a unique mark on the world. That's the first step to get creative, um, figure out how you can solve this problem of ultimately delivering on your mission to the world. Three, become humble and willing to learn, set ego aside, open your mind up a little bit, understand that, that there are others out there that have something to offer and, and go to learn from them. Uh, number four, take action. And that, that, I mean, you don't really have to say anything more than that. Take action, do something, stop talking, go do something. Number five, get involved with community. And number six, stop comparing. You do you. That's literally the note that I made here as you were talking, Michelle. And, and it really, that simplifies things. Uh, this has been a really powerful conversation and, um, and inspiring, encouraging for me. And you've got a wonderful message, Michelle, but not only that, you're, you're doing something about it. And you've set a wonderful example for us today. And I really appreciate you making time for us. Will you just in closing one more time, share where our listeners can find you online, website, social media, or otherwise? Absolutely. You can find us at permissiontoremember.org, permissiontoremember.com, and on Instagram, permissiontoremember. Awesome. We will link to those in the show notes. Thank you all for listening in. And thank you, Michelle, again, for your time today with the Boca Podcast. Thank you, Nathan. I appreciate your time. Thanks so much for listening to the Boca podcast today. Will you let us know what you think by leaving a review of the podcast in iTunes or maybe in the Apple podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast, maybe suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My direct email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca podcast is brought to you by Photographers Edit custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com.